Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Horse Sense Street Smart Investing, the podcast. I'm Ron Corning, and the stars of our show, Craig Hodges, is here with Hodges Capital Management. Craig, thank you, as always. Always fun to be a part of this podcast. And Eric Marshall, who you've met before, is, well, he wears a number of hats here, but he's a researcher at heart, and that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, we're going to go down through questions to ask your financial advisor when it comes to research. All right, Craig, let's start with you because your approach here and something that you're very proud of is this bottoms-up research on companies, something that's become relatively rare in the business? That's correct, Ron. Uh, You know, the business has evolved and there's many ways to skin a cat, many ways to invest. Uh, The oldest, truest uh, ways are our approach, which is a bottoms-up, fundamental research where we have six analysts that do nothing but contact companies all day. Uh, We know as much as we can about the companies we invest in. And the trend out there is not to necessarily do the fundamental uh, bottoms-up research. You've seen the big wirehouses and a lot of the investment firms, you know, kind of outsource that out where it's not a big emphasis. And um, we've got a long-tenured process where we do, you know, channel checks and, you know, we get to know these companies over decades and it really does give us an advantage, we feel, uh, you know, doing this long-term investing. Eric, I'm curious to know as as somebody who who does the research and digs into these companies and their valuation and their earnings and so forth, why do you think, do you think it's just a matter of volume that other organizations aren't doing this kind of research? How, How are they able to consistently provide a return on investment if they're not doing that kind of due diligence? Well, you know, the the market has become more and more over the years dominated by passive investment. So a lot of people are investing in ETFs and funds, and they don't really know what they own. You know, our approach is really to build a portfolio for our clients around individual stocks, and that requires a team of analysts that go out and visit with individual companies and really look underneath the hood. Uh, We go out, we meet with management teams. Sometimes we visit their headquarters, uh, but we uh, really spend the time to get to know the management, understand the business model, look at the, who their competitors are, what the competitive strengths and weaknesses are, what are the different uh, facets that really affect that company's ability to generate long-term returns for their shareholders. And our analysts have really become an expert at that over the years. Mm -hmm. Our average analyst has over 10 years of experience. Uh, I think last year we made something like over 2,000 contacts with across about 1,000 different publicly traded companies and uh, really get in and get into the weeds and really understand what's going on in the businesses so that we can size up what we think the risk reward is over the long run. All right. So Eric, that has me wondering when it comes to a market like this, that's a bull market. And if everyone is sort of, if I'm pulling this down to layman's terms, throwing it at the wall and hoping it all sticks, more is sticking than not in a bull market. Are you in a better position advising your clients in a down market when you understand the fundamentals of each and every company that they're invested in? Well, I think that is the best way to really protect yourself in a down market is to really know what you own and really understand the underlying risk associated with each 
individual company that you're invested in and really understanding the business cycle and how uh, the prevailing conditions out there are affecting those companies so that Mm -hmm. you can make the best possible decisions when the market's down. Um, You know, this is a, I know this quote is somewhere in uh, the book, uh, the quote book, but, you know, Don used to always say, you, you really make your money in down markets, you just don't realize it at the time. Interesting. And, and by uh, that, what did he mean exactly? That, in other words, that's when you get the bargains. That's it's when really, the bargain, yeah. That's when you get the best bargains in stocks. You just don't realize that's where you make all your money in down markets. Have you had so, moments? Have you had moments where there's a downturn in a sector or with a particular company and you say to yourself and you say to Craig, hey, I think there's a great opportunity here for our clients that that we can now buy in for others who might have been priced out. Craig, has that happened? Yeah. It, in fact, it just happened recently, in, you know, a year ago after COVID. You know, you, we saw about two weeks where the market went down close to 40, 45 percent. Some of our uh, investments had, had gone down several fold. And we had the confidence at that time to know this would not last forever. And so we had that ability to go in and buy things that were incredibly cheap. We were seeing once in a lifetime prices on stocks. And that's why in uh, coming out of COVID, we've had, we had the best year of our, of our 35 year history uh, because we knew the companies that to go into the ones that hit were being treated unfairly, they were being priced like they were going broke and we knew they weren't going broke. So that's where knowing the company and knowing, you know, the fundamentals of, of each individual business really can pay off and having that ability and that confidence to go in there and buy. And that reminds me of a conversation we've had in a past podcast about talking people off the ledge when there's a downturn, like we saw last year and they wonder, is this going to be a crash reminiscent of, of 08? to try and make sure they don't panic, to remind them that you've got your finger on the pulse of what these companies are doing and how, how resilient they are, even in the face of an apparent crisis that's unprecedented, right? Yeah, correct. You have to be able to, and, and in my 35-year career, we've had about six what I call serious sell, sell-offs. Mm-hmm. So they happen every you know five to eight to 10 years. You know they're coming, and you, you, each one's different, and you have to treat each one differently, but knowing that, you know, there, there is no fourth quarter, you, you mm-hmm. keep going. And if a stock that you know, it's an intrinsic value, which we do on all of our stocks, if you know what the company is worth, if you just shut down the business, it gives you the confidence to go in and buy. I know and, you probably hate this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> is there a correction coming? Is there a sell-off coming? I, how do you anticipate that? How do you guard against <laughs> it based on the research that you do here? I'll let both of you give your two cents well, on that. Yes, yes, there is a correction coming. When? We just don't know. There's virtually a 10% correction every single year. And most times we don't even feel it. The, the latest correction we've seen hasn't been on the averages. It's been in sectors. And we've seen 20, 30, 40% sell-offs in the individual sectors, mm-hmm. which create opportunities, even though the overall market doesn't seem to be going down. All right. I have a, a series of questions here that we're going to run down through as quickly as we can to inform our viewers. And Eric, I want to start with you. How do your analysts find new ideas and how do they end up in a stock portfolio? In other words, how do you pinpoint what might be the quote unquote next big thing? Well, I think it's really a serendipitous approach in that we do not use one single 
method to come up with new ideas. We're not just out there running a screen on our computers and, and picking out which stocks to go out and invest. We're really out there, you know, we're talking to companies, but we're also talking to their uh, suppliers, customers, competitors, vendors, suppliers to figure out what's going on with those companies. Sometimes that will lead us to look at other companies and, you know, they'll lead us to uh, to new ideas that we hadn't even looked at before. So we, we really um, try to look at a lot of different companies, a lot of different types of companies. Uh, it, it's kind of like uh, one of the, the old adages that we use here is that it's like uh, if you want to be an art expert, you have to go out and look at a lot of paintings. If you want to be an expert on individual stocks, you really have to go out and study individual stocks and look at a lot of them to really become an expert over time. So we try to turn over a lot of stones mm -hmm. and you never know where you're going to find that next great idea. Well, along those lines, Craig, here's a question for you. You actually go out to companies, to their headquarters, whether they're based here in Texas or based elsewhere. You meet with the management team of a public company. When you're there, literally, physically, on site, speaking with them, getting to know them, what are you, what are you looking for and what do you see? What attributes about a company can you uncover from an actual in-person visit? You're trying to, to pretty much size out what kind of manager they are. You know, the questions we ask is, you know, is this guy a great entrepreneur? Do, do, do his employees like him? Is he a leader? How are they, how is he taking care of his money? You know, um, what, what has been his past? What, has he been successful in other ventures? There's a lot of that. It, it, another key thing is, do, does he have a financial stake? Is, is the majority of his wealth tied into this company where he has an incentive? And so a lot of those things really kind of, you know, go into – to, you know, the, the first building blocks of what a, a good investment would make. And then we put in all the other financial matrix and competition and, and, as well. So if you get what? there and the headquarters is like a mailboxes, et cetera, that, is that a red flag? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a red flag. You know, one thing I would add to that is that also when you go out and meet with those companies, sometimes by what they don't tell you, tells you something. Interesting. You know, because you're, you're, you're interviewing these management teams and oftentimes, if what they don't tell you or the, the, the questions that they don't answer sometimes tell you just as much as the ones that they do. So have you walked out of, I'm just, as you say that, I'm wondering, I'm like picturing you at a headquarters and maybe you've done some analytical research that is publicly available that gives you some sense of revenue and staffing and what the product is that they're selling if in fact they're, they're selling a tangible product. Have you gone to a company and just gotten a vibe or the omission of certain information or them not answering certain questions and left there and said, okay, maybe we don't want to dive into this company? Well, I, I think that that... You're there smiling is. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of the, of the term horse sense, uh, that, that there is an element of that that does play into bottoms-up investing, where, you know, you do have to apply some, some judgment, and uh, that comes from you know, human interaction. And you can't always replicate that if you're using a computer model to pick stock. Well, you have had a lot of, of successes and there are a lot of companies in which you're invested long-term uh, and some of which you have to decide at different points, okay, we've been disciplined in how we've done this. When do we take a profit? How do you measure that? If you've got a client who says to you, I can't believe my money's doubled in 
three to five years with this particular stock. There's a car company that comes to mind uh, in particular that has really seen unbelievable growth. In fact, it's valued, I think you said, more than all other car companies combined. Price to perfection, you might say, but how do you know when it's time to take a profit on that and sit it out and ride it out? How do you make those difficult decisions? Well, you, you know, one thing I would say, the best time to sell is whenever you have found something else to buy, that that's a better okay. situation. And I think in a, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, we're trying to look at what is the upside potential relative to the downside. So even though that stock may have doubled or tripled, it may still be a good buy if it's going to double or triple again from here. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at every single, we're not really concerned about where a stock has been, but where it is going. And that's a very important element. The other thing is, every time we buy something, we have the attitude that we could be wrong. And being able to identify when we've made a mistake early on, identify that makes a mistake early and take action is much more valuable than just always trying to be right. Because inevitably, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, this is not a, 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 a perfect game investing. Uh, you have to go into every decision you know, making the best possible calculated risk-reward decision. But know that you could be wrong, and when you are wrong, you have to be quick to take an action on it. Well, I think the takeaway from this, Craig, as we wrap things up, is, you know, we don't have anything against day traders. I do a little day trading on Robinhood, but the reason we're doing this podcast is there are people out there who are introduced in a broader sense to investing in ways they didn't have access to before. And we've talked about this in a past podcast. They may reach a point with their 401k, they change jobs, they have an inheritance, and they need help and guidance and assistance because they're not doing so well on their own. What you've imparted, at least on me today, and I hope the audience, is that what you all do is a full-time job, a team of people doing the kind of due diligence that you're not getting if you're looking at what's trending on Twitter or Reddit. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Yeah. We want to own the best businesses in America. And, you know, that, that's, it doesn't sound that difficult. It is difficult, but that's, that's the goal, just to own the, the best companies that we know of mm -hmm. and just buy them and own them. And we share in those profits. And uh, it's, it's, it's simple when you break it down like that. But, you know, it's taken, like I mentioned, it's taken over 30 years for us to kind of re refine this process to where we feel like, you know, it, it's, it's something we can repeat and repeat and repeat. But fundamentally, it's what your dad believed, right? He believed that you could really own American business. You could be a business owner by way of investing in American companies that are doing well. You could have a piece of yeah. the American dream and build wealth, even if you were a working class full-time right? Blue collar worker, you right. could have a piece of the American dream. It's, it's, I, I think people take it for granted, but think about the fact that you can own whatever business you want to. You know, if you love Starbucks and you're a Starbucks junkie, you just think it's the greatest thing ever. You can own part of Starbucks and over a 20 year period, you're going to do very, very well. And, and think about that throughout the whole, you know, investing universe. There's companies out there that are the future Starbucks and it's our job to go find those. But, you know, that's the beauty of investing is you can actually own 
the great American companies that will profit for the next you know next decades. Imagine if you if you just skipped every other latte and put that money into yeah. the Starbucks. You're on to so something, Ron. See, you're on to something. While you're investing in that's it as brilliant. Well, that's right? brilliant. Right? And then you could have free coffee the rest of your life at some point, depending on how the stock does. Um, Eric Marshall. Craig Hodges, thank you much. Uh, thank you both very much, as always. Appreciate it. And we hope you'll continue to follow us here on social media and on our YouTube channel, Horse Sense Street Smart Investing. The podcast, we'll see you next time. Hodges Capital Management Incorporated, HCM, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hodges Capital Holdings and serves as investment advisor to the Hodges Funds. HCM is affiliated with First Dallas Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer, and investment advisor registered with the SEC. This discussion is not intended to be a forecast of future events and should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. Investing in smaller companies involves additional risk, such as limited liquidity and greater volatility. No current or prospective client should assume that information referenced in this communication is a recommendation to buy or sell any security or is a substitute for personalized investment advice from your individual advisor. HCM does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor for any related questions. All information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable and is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. This material was created for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed are solely those of HCM. HCM shall not in any way be liable for claims and makes no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and are subject to change without notice.